What is going on, SNS crew? It is RP3, your host of the SNS podcast. Today, I tell you, we have quite the discussion. Before we go there, uh, the WF, WEF, World Economic Forum, they're suggesting that we stop eating meat to uh, combat climate change. What are your thoughts on that? Type down in the comments below. I personally, uh, I'm not going to stop eating meat, especially after this Thanksgiving dinner we just had. Wow. Yeah, but uh, today's converse, conversation, again, I'll be looking off quite a bit. Not quite much, but uh, just a bit. I've got my notes over here. We will be talking about tough love. Is it harmful? Is it needed in a society where we see already a drastic change in behavior and outcomes of life? Is it harmful? Is it something that we need to bring back? Also, we will be discuss, discussing fear, how to overcome it, and why you need to overcome it. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back. This is the S&S Podcast, hosted by RP3. A show that dives into the realms of mindset, truth, and faith. A unique blend of a chill and energetic style will guide you through inspiring discussions on a search for truth, developing a successful mindset, and exploring the faith. Join in as we explore the dynamics to nurture a resilient mind and navigate the landscape of truth and explore faith in our lives. Whether you are seeking a dose of positivity or a common truth, the S&S Podcast is here to accompany you on your journey to empowerment and enlightenment. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcast platforms so you never miss an episode. And remember, the only limit is yourself. All right, so we are back. I'm glad to have you. Glad you guys are joining me. So tough love. Wow. I mean, where do we start, right? I know in my time frame, my generation, we see a lot of tough love. We've got a lot of tough love. At least I did. Uh, compliments to uh, RP Senior. <laughs> but we got a lot of tough love, and I can say it honestly molded me into becoming a uh, the man that I am. It, came, it became, I became uh something someone not something but someone who learned to take accountability of life someone who was told no someone who you know who honestly if i think if we were not told no we'd be expecting a lot of different outcomes in life and when we are finally told no as adults we wouldn't be able to handle that as we see with a lot of this new generation, Gen Z or X or whatever generation they're on now, these younger kids and around, you know, the, uh, say, young adults, well, not even early early to mid-teens to young adult age, you know, they have a really tough time being told no and being told the truth about things. So, tough love, you know, there's a difference between tough love and Verbal, physical, and physical abuse, right? Now, most people think uh, when they hear tough love, they think of a physical, the physical aspect of it, right? Now, I personally believe there comes a time and place when you must physically discipline your, your children or discipline mainly yeah, your children. You're not going to go around physically uh, <laughs> hitting adults. If you do, then prepare to get uh, whatever comes with that. But... Physical discipline is necessary. Now, again, I'm not saying go and physically abuse your children, 
but you have to at times instill that physical discipline that physical pain you know in the marine corps we went by a model that said pain retains right so you screw it up you get sit on the quarter deck you know and that's you know for your getting your it incentivized training you know some people will say individual training whatever but the whole method behind that is through the pain you go through of doing the uh, rigorous exercises, exercises for, you know, five minutes straight, whatever, how long you, you be up there on the quarter deck. The motto or the saying, pain retains, it's supposed to instill in your mind that, okay, this is dis- the discipline that I received for messing up. So next time I go to mess up, I'm going to remember the pain that I've been in. So therefore, I'm not going to, I'm going gonna, I'm to make a better choice and not do whatever it is that I'm thinking of, right? So when we talk about tough love, or when I talk about tough love, you know, in the aspect of raising children, you have to tell your children, no, they're not going to get everything they want when they want. They're not going to always get the best outcome they're looking for in life, right? So when you don't do that, you do the opposite and you give them everything they want and desire, you get a generation of what we have now. There's a lot going on with the uh, whole identifying thing, what you identify as. And, you know, I see videos of these children, college students, right? These college students, they're, you know, pink and green hair, all craziness. But they, they, they get irate and they blow up when you tell them, I don't agree with what, uh, what your premise, you know, I don't agree with what your, with your ideology or what you think. And that comes from, I believe, a place of soft or weak parenting, okay? Your child comes home and tells you they want to be a cat. Uh, Okay, you can think you're a cat, but you're not a cat. But when you have parents that go along with this foolishness, and obviously not, you know, kids not coming home saying they're cats, but saying they're opposite sexes when they're not, you have to put that in check, okay? There's, There's a way you can be empathetic to your child or to whomever and understand where they're coming from but to agree with it especially when you're a parent that's that's out of that's out of the window you you, know, you you can't go around agreeing and appeasing your child and and bringing them to think that okay this is okay my parents didn't think it's okay now i can go out into the rest of the world and everyone in the world is gonna have to uh gonna have to you know abide by this they're gonna have to bow down and do as I, you know, as I ask or, or identify with me as what I identify as, which is, it's, it's total nonsense. I don't, I don't think, actually, I know, okay, that it's nonsense. I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. I'm going to tell you the truth. You can't, you can't switch what you're born as, okay? Got to be careful in the way I word things here. Unfortunately, YouTube is, uh, they're on a canceling spree, you know. They want to cancel everything that's truth and just put out garbage, continue rotting your minds. But anywho, if we don't bring back, I believe, if we don't bring back tough love, we're going to continue to diminish the mentality and spirit of a bunch of individuals who have futures ahead of them that will not be able to 
coexist with society, the rest of society, with normal society, okay? You're not going to have a group of individuals that are ready to make change or ready to lead, okay? And now I'm not saying you can't lead because you think a certain way. No, but when you have the mentality of always being told yes or not being told no or having a parent or someone to tell you how it is, then you can have a group of leaders that are just off the wall, they're off the hinges, and it's 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 going to affect our society even more than what it is affecting us now. If you look around, right, no one can take anything anymore. The minute you disagree with someone, it's offensive, or it's racist, or you're a bigot, or you're a misogynist, or you're this, like... There's so many weak-minded people because they have not had tough love. They have not had anyone to sit them down and tell them how it is. Now, on the other hand, I've been sat down plenty of times and been told how it is, how it was, and how it's going to be. You know, I was living with my parents when I was younger, obviously younger, but so I grew older, you know, and the, the saying goes, you're in my house, you know, my house, my rules. When you're an adult, go do what you want. But at these early stages in life, and people may say, oh, no, teenage years aren't early stages. Those are still early stages of life, okay? Average human lives between 70, 75, 80 years, okay? 13, 14, 15, up to 18, 19 years old, those are early stages of life. And if you are not correcting this mentality of, I'm just going to, you know, agree, I'm just going to understand my child, You can understand them again. You can understand where they're coming from. But you as a parent, you have a duty to correct that. You have a duty to put them in position to have a more successful life. And that's just not financial. I'm speaking mentally, uh, spiritually, you know, in, in societal aspects. And what we see is no one is outcasting these people that have this mentality that I want to identify as a pair of headphones like the ones that are on my head right now. No one's outcasting these people. If anything, they're outcasting themselves, right? Because they have this mentality of, I'm going to do what I want. No one's going to say anything. And if they do, I'm just going to make a big fuss and cry and scream about it until I get them canceled, i.e. I get their, uh, their, their right to say how they feel taken away, right? Where was I going with that? can't remember oh okay yeah so if we have a society full of people like that as the numbers are growing you know every day i mean you can just flip flip on the news or flip on youtube and you'll see the amount of disrespect to parents these children have you know now not only do i think this is something that is you know parents are failing their children i believe this is something that is also uh, spiritual and on the spiritual side, but we're getting that to that. That's you know, another topic for another day. For instance, you know, my wife has to constantly remind me that my children are children, three and about to be two years old, right? But my mentality is if they're old enough to understand certain words to use and when to use them, yes, no, then they're old enough to start getting some type of tough love, okay? 
My daughter's big. I use her for example. She's she gets me all the time, man. Like I try, and I've been getting better <laughs> lately. But I try, you know. Before in the beginning, it was like, nope, I can't say no to her. I can't say no to her. But I have to remember, I'm not her friend. I'm her parent. That's who I am. I'm not her friend. I'm not her peer. I know what's going to be best for her for right now. Until she's old enough to make her own decisions and she's matured in life. She's under my house, my rules. <laughs> so, um, but I have to be constantly reminded by my wife that she's like, listen, they're children, okay? They're, they're toddlers. They're children. They're not going to understand. And I'm like, man, they do understand. They know when to say no. They know when they when they want to tell me no and they want to say yeah. No. They know what they can take this. She's like, no. So there comes, uh, there has to be a balance as well. You know, because if you don't have a balance with yourself and your disciplinary actions, then that's when you can create an unbalance in their life. And that's something I'm working on. I'm an aggressive person in the sense of discipline and not physical. You know, I've I've tried the spanking. It don't really work because I'm not trying to like welt up my children or physically abuse them. So I try a little, you know, pop, but it's like, man, because I, I don't it's hard for me sometimes to gauge my own strength. So that's why I kind of refrain right now as much as I can from spankings. You know, my daughter's gotten probably like three spankings from me and they don't phase her again, because I'm just, I, I, I'd rather just hold back and try to figure out a different way. But again, I'm not uh, prone. I'm not against spanking you know, your children, but you have to, in my opinion, we have to bring back tough love. We can't be soft on, on, on everything with our children. There are plenty of videos, you know, you see, and unfortunately a lot of these teens now that are out here running the streets, you know, doing drugs, toting guns, shooting at the, shooting at the ops, whatever. If you see the relationship with the parents, their friends, there was no structure of this is what I say, this is what I what I mean and this is what I want done. This it was more of hey, what's up? You know, what's good? How you doing? More of a friendship, right? So when you have those type of relationships with your children, it it does become to a point. It comes or it becomes more of someone that they don't not someone they fear per se, uh or respect on a parental level, but you become one of their peers. So so my recommendation is stop being soft on your children. Tell them no. No matter how hard it is, it's hard for me to tell my daughter no sometimes. And I know I'm like, you know, for instance, like, hey, you know, I got a surprise for you. I'll stop by the store sometimes and get them. This damn camera. Sorry, guys. I'll stop by the store. You know, get them like a chocolate bar or something, her and her brother to share. Now, come on, I tell her, hey, daddy got a surprise for you, but you can't get it until you eat your dinner. So dinner time comes, and I don't, I don't, her favorite thing now is 
when she don't want to eat. And I'm like, this, this, or that. Yes, you do. Then next thing, I want my surprise. No. Then comes the crying and the hysteria. Like, you think she she just, like, I don't know, lost lost her puppy or something. But <laughs> she's very dramatic. But all the drama aside, I have to stay firm to what I said. And I said no. And the thing is about that, too, like I said, her she's three and her brother is about to be two. Uh, coming up next month, right? So he's picking up a lot from her. Now, if I were to be soft on her with parenting, that's going to trickle down and create just as much trouble for me in the long run. Sorry. Sorry, okay. Sorry, guys. That's going to create just as much trouble for me in the long run because now I'm going to have to deal with two softly raised children. And as they get older, it's just going to build more and more in their mind that, well, if I just act this way or do this or do that, they're just going to eventually give in. Don't give in. Do not give in. You can't give in, okay? No matter how cute they are and how precious they are, and it's your little baby. I love my children. Wow. Sorry, guys. But at the end of the day, like I said, I am not their friend. I am their parent. And I need them to respect me as such. Because what's going to happen when they get out into the world? They're going to walk around thinking they can disrespect anybody. They're going to walk around thinking they deserve everything. Look at the entitlement from that we have in this this new generation. I tell you one, right? We we got this uh couple applicants at work and one of the applicants is just demanding everything. I want this much money cuz I got to do this and I got to do that. Now keep in mind we all got to do this and do that, okay? No facial hair, we got tattoos and stuff, we're wearing long sleeves. But his mind said, you know, I gotta, I gotta shave and I gotta, gotta wear long sleeve because I have tattoos. So I think I deserve, you don't deserve any, you, what you deserve is what you get. Okay. I'm not here. I'm not here about what you deserve. I hate this, this, this deserving in, in attitude, this entitlement that these children have these days because they were never told no. They were never given tough love. They were never told you didn't do this, so you're not doing that. They were told, well, you didn't do this, but do it better next time. No, you're going to go do it right this time, and you're still not getting that because you didn't do what I asked you to do. And it's not being controlling. It's not being you know, overbearing. It's preparing them for what they're going to face in the real world, right? I remember when I was getting out of the military, and – so when at least in the infantry, you know, you're, you're called a boot when you when you when you join. Right. Well, not when you join, but when you graduate after you graduate, uh, you know, basic training, and you go through SOI, ITB and you get to your unit, you're a boot. OK. And the term boot comes from. From uh, back when, you know, Marines would be on ships, well, still are on ship, but it's an old term. 
And you would be able to tell the new guys because of their boots. They were fresh. They weren't beat up or anything, right? So that's where the term boots come from in, in the infantry, all right? So if you're a boot, it means you're a new guy. You're at the lower, you're at the bottom of the, you know, bottom of the bottom of the pit, whatever. And this was when I was, I, at this point, I was getting out. I was close to getting out. And I tell you, the kids that were joining, I, I, t- I would never, I would never deploy with them. There were a select few that I would, but they were a little bit older. But there were some that I would not have deployed with. I would not want to fight with because how entitled they were. We had one, you know, a buddy of mine, he was a sergeant. We had one literally trying to fight the sergeant because he was entitled to certain things, He, as he thought, because of where he came from, he was of such high stature and he was treated like royalty. And what he said, from what he says, he was royalty in his country. He was from, um, he's an African kid. I forget which uh, country in Africa. But anywho, you know, in my country, I'm a prince. I'm, I don't care what you are. You're in here now, okay? You're in an organization that there's rules and there's regulations and there's a way to do things. But he has this such this entitled attitude, and I saw that. I was like, man, like, the way things run in the military, especially in the infantry, I had this problem too. Don't get me wrong. I had a problem with authority when I first got in, but it got checked real quick, you know? And I learned. I started learning the way of the, the ways of the land, per se. But... If I tell you run that way, I don't need you to question it. I don't need you to second guess it. I need you to do it because it's either to save your life, my life, or someone else's life. Don't question what I'm asking you to do. And that's where that tough love comes in. As a parent, you cannot and should not negotiate. There's no negotiation. My house and my rules. Say it with me. My house, my rules. My house, my rules. There's no negotiating, especially with children. When they're just a living bill for the first 18 years of their life. <laughs> it's like my dogs, man. I love them, but it's like I look at them like, y'all just living bills, man. All this food I got to buy for y'all, and shampoos and vet doctor visits and all. Y'all just a living bill. So if I tell you to sit, sit. All right. But look, the tough love has to come back, in my opinion. I don't think we need, I mean, look at our military now. Sorry, I reference the military a lot, but that's kind of what I know. Um, there was a survey that went out, and they asked a lot of these kids, you know, why they don't want to join the military. I don't want to get up early in the morning. I don't want to go do push-ups. I don't want to get screamed at this and that. A bunch of weak excuses. You know why? Because that wasn't done at home. So now when they get out into the real world, they expect their boss to bend over backwards for them. And when they don't get what they want, they want to cry racist. They want to cry, uh, you know, you're picking on me. They want to cry about this and that. Nobody's picking on you. This is the real world. And I'm sorry, buddy, but your parent, your parents failed you and didn't prepare you for this. So if you want to be that failure of a parent, then go ahead and keep being your, 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 your children's friend. But if you want your children to respect you, then lay down the rules and be tough on them. Don't allow them to do certain things when you say no. I don't care if it's if it's turn the TV off. If you want the TV off, then turn the TV off. I don't care if they scream, pout, or cry. Turn that TV off. It's no negotiating. 
There's no, oh, can I get more five more minutes? No, you can't get five more minutes. You get five seconds, okay? That's it. Not even that. Turn it off. Why? Don't ask me why. I said turn it off. Now, obviously, I'm not saying go just be bossy and go try to run your your home like a, a, a dictatorship or like, you know, it's like a tyrannical government. <clears throat> I heard that. Don't try to be tyrannical to children. Obviously, let there be a method behind the madness, right? But all in all, tough love is needed. It's, it is, uh, I don't want to say it's dying or going away, but actually, yeah, you know, it's it's something that's slowly dying away. Because you know what's going to happen? These, these teenagers now who are out here running rampant, running crazy, they're going to raise their children how they were raised, as their friend. They see their children as a friend now. They don't see them as a child, something that, someone that they have responsibility over, someone they have to guide and to lead. No, they're, instead of leading, they're side by side, holding hands, skipping down the street. That's, what's, that's what we're going to have. And it sucks for my generation because we're going to have to live through it. We're going to have to live through and somehow make a way for this to kind of reverse itself. Hopefully they grow up at some point in time. But again, those early stages are the stages where they're being formed. Their mentalities are truly being formed, how they're going to be throughout life. Think about when you were 20, 21 years old. You were stuck in your ways and you're probably still stuck in those same ways. Some of us change, which is good. You know, we grow and we mature. But if, why, if we see that, how long it took us to grow and mature? 10, 15 years to get, you know, to really come to reality. And I'm not saying it takes 10, 15 years, but 10, 15 years, you know, because in your early 20s, you're stuck in your ways. You only care about a few things. Get money, go party. Get money, go party. And now travel. It's a big thing is travel. So by mid-20s, you're like, all right, maybe I need to start focusing on this, like, you know, this career thing and this longevity thing. By 30, you're like, okay, all right, I shouldn't have did all that back then. I should have listened, you know, I should have did this, should have did that. But so why not? What I'm getting at is if we understand how long it took us, why not cut that down? Why not do the things better for our children get them the mentality they need to survive in the world right get them the mentality they need to survive in the world one that is going to set them up for success and not failure so again don't be afraid to stick to your rules that you make don't be afraid to uh to show a little tough love, all right? And and speaking of not being afraid, it leads us next into the next portion of this talk. But first, Introducing Shiloh and Clay LLC. 
Our clothes are a reminder to slow down, to appreciate the grace woven into every moment. Let your attire echo your values. Shiloh and Saint LLC. Because your style should speak its grace. So, fear, is it bad? Is it good? Is there a such thing as a good fear or a bad fear? You know, one thing we learned is that a good sense of fear reminds you that you're still alive. All right? Now, you can lose fear. It's not always good. It's not always bad having it, but... uh. Losing it is not always good. Depends on, I guess, circumstances. I say that because I'm a motorcycle rider. I sold my last bike uh, about three years ago when my daughter was born. Yeah. She's lucky. But when she turns 18, her and her brother, I'm back on two wheels doing 200. No, but <laughs> so losing fear. You know, in the motorcycle world, they say when you lose fear of the bike, that's when you get hurt. And I lost fear very fast because it's something I love. I love riding bikes. I love bikes. I love the adrenaline behind it. I love flying. My uh, first bike was like a project bike, CBR, a 96 CBR 600 F4i. Completely rebuilt it. Once I rebuilt it, sold it. Went by a couple years. Then I got me and uh, got myself an 07 R1 Raven. And needless to say, first day. First 20 minutes of buying the bike. Bought it from this guy. He was actually getting out of the military. And I was getting out too. But he was moving. Wanted to get rid of the bike. So paid him. Got the bike. And once I got on the highway, I'm doing 150, 506 miles an hour racing a Camaro. Now, I'm not saying I didn't have fear because I still had fear of the bike at that time. Because when I realized how fast I was going and it's been so long since I had rode, I'm like, let me slow down. So I backed off the throttle. Now, fast forward to my third bike, uh, ZX10R. KRT edition. I lost complete fear of that bike. And that happened because of moving back down in Florida. I still had the R1 at that time. And, you know, you get in the bike scene and you're out constantly. I mean, Tuesday night, Brown Motorsports bike night. Wednesday night, Hooters bike night. Thursday, you got a, what's this place spot in Doral? Um, oh, Ale House, you know, bike, car meet, whatever. Friday night, you're usually done like Fort Lauderdale riding or bouncing back and forth between there and Miami. So it was like, it was crazy this year, always on the bike. I took that bike up to 192. And, you know, I had lost complete fear by that time. Starting to do wheelies, starting to do standing wheelies, literally swinging my feet off of the, the off of the uh off of the bike and like trying to skate on the side I actually almost went down one night because <laughs> i my foot actually made enough contact with the concrete and i'm like yeah wasn't, wasn't fun wasn't fun at all but uh lost fear of the motorcycle and i started treating it as if it were uh just something you know i didn't have that fear of like you need to be careful. You need to ride cautiously because something can happen. And it wasn't until 2019 when something did happen, which I don't remember the accident. Um, not one bit. I, just, I remember leaving the house, and where I crashed was probably about 
a good 15, 20 miles, probably 25 miles from, from the house. That's where I crashed. So that big of a memory gap, um, I believe, is from a head injury. Um, there's a big gash on my helmet. But I ended up separating my collarbone, uh, my, sorry, my clavicle from uh, shoulder, which is still separated. But um, lost free of the bike. I took that bike up to 196, the ZX-10R. And so that's why I say having no fear of something isn't always good, right? But a bad sense of fear causes you to, uh, could cause you to stop breathing. And I would say that losing that fear was a, that was a bad sense of, uh, of fear per se, or a lack thereof, right? So fear has to be checked and kept in balance. You have to have a good balance between having fear and not having fear. So tell you about a time in Afghanistan during deployment we were out on a mission and I thought I was driving truck three that day I believe I think I was driving truck three so we worked hand in hand with the uh ANCOP the ANA and the uh AUP these are all foreign Two, well, the ANCOP is the Afghan Civil Order Police or Civil Order of Police. The AUP is the Afghan Uniform Police, and the ANA is the Afghan National Army. So foreign forces we were working hand-in-hand hand with. So we were out on our mission driving, and uh, and we stopped to check in on some of the guys. So Vic-1 stayed ahead, so their gunner could you know, face up, we'll say north, Vic 2, which had our lieutenant in, pulled into the uh, little entrance or whatever, little dirt path to the compound. Not even the compound, the little PB where the um, foreign forces, foreign fighting forces were. And I was in Vic 3. So at night, you don't drive with as much separation as you do in the day, right? In the day, because your lead Vic has a mine roller. So in, in the daytime, you can drive with a little bit more dispersion. You know, you can drive with, depending on, obviously conditions but on a good day as far as weather wise on a clear day you can drive with you know 50 meters 70 meters and it depending on there's a lot that depends on how far apart you drive right what kind of road conditions because i remember once we were heading out to a, a different location and the road conditions like we were driving over more of a hard per se ground it wasn't easy it wasn't able to be easily dug in to plant any type of IDs or anything. So, and it was, I mean, wide open. We could see things for, for a very good distance, right? But back to where we were. So, and I'm talking about uh, right now how how fear or lack thereof can cause you to stop breathing, right? So, I'm in truck three, and normally drivers don't get out of the trucks, right? The driver typically does not get out of the vehicle. But for whatever reason, we were there for a while. We were told we are going to be there for a while. So for whatever reason, I decided to, I'm not scared, whatever, what's, you know, what's going to happen, get in a firefight or something, which thank God didn't happen. But I got out of the truck. I told my gunner, like, yo, hey, Lusk, I'm going to hop out, just kind of stretch it out, get some air, whatever. He's like, all right, I'm watching. Now keep in mind, he's on the, he's on the top line. He was on a 50 that day. 
I believe he was on a 50 or 240, but I want to say he was on a 50. So he had rear. He was facing the rear, right? Vic 1, Gunner's facing north. I'm Vic 3, is facing south. And Vic 2, he cranked around and faced to the west because it was literally on the road we're on. And the roads aren't really that big, depending where you go. But on the road we're on, probably about 15, 20 meters, not even, probably 10 to 15 meters was a wadi. And beyond that, just darkness and compounds, right? So I'm sitting, I'm standing outside, you know, outside the vehicle, got my rifle. And me thinking, you know, or not thinking, but not really having fear. It it got to like a kind of a sketchy situation real quick, right? So as I'm standing there, I got some bright headlights coming towards me. Now keep in mind in Afghanistan they drive right hands right hand drive vehicles. These bright headlights are coming towards me, and my truck is still on. We're about 50, maybe 45, 50 meters from Vic 2. So I can't really yell and make a scene to Vic 2, to their gunners, like, hey, make sure you're watching. So I'm standing there, and I bring my back up against the truck. These headlights are getting closer and closer and closer and closer and closer until about maybe... 15, 20 meters in front of me, they stop. So then between Vic 2 and my Vic, I'm like, dang, I can't see anything. Now, what I do, what I am able to make out is a door open on the passenger side and the shadow of a man about maybe 5'8", five, 5'9", five, get out. And as he gets out, he just has this look. I can tell he's looking my direction. I'm like, dang. Not really tripping, but I'm like kind of tripping because it's dark as heck. Can't really see what he's doing. We're in hostile territory. And after he gets out, he reaches back in the vehicle. And as he's slowly coming out, he looks at me again and just stands there and looks. And he turns and kind of conceals some, conceals whatever he, he got out. I don't know what he took out of the freaking truck, but I really wasn't trying to find out. Because I'm like, dang, I'm like the only one really right here and out that's out. Vic 1 ain't going to be able to help. Vic 2, he ain't going to be, be able to really do anything because he's going to be flagging. Not with, he's going to be right in my line of fire or I'll be in his line of fire. So I have one or two choices because the, tr- the, the, uh, the, the car, as the guy got out, he closed the door and he walked behind. So, again, these bright headlights are blinding me. I can't really see much. So I have one or two choices. And it's this car is driving past me. I, I I go to the ready and I focus on him or I let him be and hope somebody else say what's going on and I try to follow this guy who got out. Because the guy who got out is going to that uh across that wadi into the darkness. And I'm talking it was dark. It was dark. So I I gotta follow I gotta remember to look at the camera on the screen. It was dark, okay? So I'm like, all right, best course of action is I'm going to follow this guy until he's a safe enough distance away, and I'm going to try to swing back and try to find this guy and locate him. Well, they didn't really work too well. My lack of fear allowed me to become unaware, per se, of my surroundings. Not unaware of my surroundings, but my lack of fear led me to kind of neglect training to an extent. Because what I should have done is when I saw that and saw them stop, I should have just slowly got back inside. But I'm like whatever you know you're hyped you're you're deployment you're like all right whatever if it goes on goes down but 
so the the vehicle's driving past and he's like kind of slow rolling probably like five miles an hour so i'm just like watching him watching him watching him he gets about maybe 10 meters behind the truck and i'm like all right that's good enough and i turn back around and i do not see this other guy all i remember was him having this crazy weird like stare and then grabbing something and hiding it i'm like dang So after about like a minute or two of not being able to find this guy, because it is pitch black, you can't see nothing. I hopped back in that truck so fast. <laughs> and I was like, man, that was stupid. Like I hollered my gunner. I was like, yo, Lust, did you see that? He's like, you what, the, the car that stopped? I was like, yeah. He's like, yeah, I saw it. That was kind of weird. It's like, you telling me. So thank God nothing happened. Nothing came up, came of that. But that's just to go to show that fear has to be kept in check and it has to be balanced. Having fear keeps you alive, but a lack thereof can cause you to stop breathing. So (laughs) how do you overcome this fear or how did I overcome that fear? Again, I'm going to talk about military. I overcame my fear by accepting death and death is probably depending on what you believe the biggest defeat but for me it's going to be a victory because of my faith and i know i'm going home with the king but overcoming death because that was the biggest per se obstacle at the time the biggest obstacle i've ever had to face honestly a couple times um you know going to afghanistan you know, the night we flew in is when it was my reality my reality check when I overcame my fear. Because when you fly in to Afghanistan, or we flew in, we stopped in, I think, Germany in uh, Manas, I think, Air Force, Air Force Base, whatever, for like a day or two, if that. And from there, we hopped on uh, another plane. And a military plane this time because we flew commercial planes over and we hopped on a military plane leaving Manas to go to uh, Leatherneck. So we were at Leatherneck. We landed there. We were there for about three, four days, I believe, for climatization phase, per se. Climatization is getting used to the climate over there, getting your body adjusted. So we were there on Leatherneck for like maybe two, three days. I can't remember exactly how many. And from Leatherneck, we flew out on Hilo to our... uh, so at least for my uh, out where we were, we flew out to where did we fly to. I think we flew to Fob Hanson, I believe. We flew to Fob Hanson, and that night flying in because they only fly you in basically at night, um, kind of like not low visibility because the helo is loud, but kind of a lower visibility and it's kind of a less of a threat f- than flying it, flying a unit in in the daytime. So that night we're flying in, I'm sitting more towards the back of the bird and the flap is down and I look out the back because the pilot's banking. They fly crazy maneuvers to avoid from getting shot on like RPGs and things like that. And that isn't really going through your head because you're so hyped. about Like you're finally here, I get to go do my job, this and that. But I'm sitting at the back of the bird and the pilot's like really like banking. He's doing some crazy moves. And there's one move he like swung the, the rear end and I look out the back, and all I see is desert and compounds and, like, fires. And I'm like, dang. Okay. I'm going to die here. That's what I told myself. I'm going to die here. 
But I think I had to tell myself that to overcome the fact, to overcome the fear, because I don't care who you are, dog on Rambo, everyone's first deployment, there's a sense of fear there. There's a lot of excitement, but if anyone tells you they ain't scared, then I, I question that. I was I had some fear. I was scared for a little bit. No, not to the point where I wouldn't rely on my training. I was I wouldn't I didn't want to do my job. But it was like it was that sense of fear came over and it's like reality check, buddy. You know, time to t- tighten up and and get focused, you know? So for me, overcoming or accepting death was for me at least the easiest way for me to kind of check fear and balance check to check and balance fear because to this day now most people think about it or don't think about it. i think most people think about it subconsciously but death that's like the ultimate check right the ultimate checkout per se but once you're able to op- able to overcome the fear of death then nothing else can stand in your way in your life nothing else in life can stand in your way and so by so Putting so accepting death and putting my face com- face my faith completely in Christ. That that wouldn't that that allows me not to fail, right? Or 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 not not fail, but knowing that Christ won't fail me. You know, my faith is in Him, my belief is in Him, and. The Bible says, you know, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but the spirit of power, love and a sound mind. Right. So, again, accepting death, understanding that. It was either going to happen there is going to happen some other time in life. That put fear in check for me. Because now. It's like. I can be calm and confident through through the fear of most things, you know, I, I started a business now and a lot of people want to start a business. A lot of people want to start a business, but a lot of people don't because of fear. And they let their fear outweigh the possible, which is starting it. What do I mean? You have this idea of a business you want to start it. You start writing things down and this and that. Now you start looking at Google and typing in, oh, you know, looking into the industry. You see one little article why most small businesses fail within the two years. And you drop your pen. You drop your pen. Now, now it's on the back burner. Now you're not even, you don't have no motivation because you're thinking about what could be. There's a 50-50 chance it's going to succeed or it's going to fail. But your fear of the latter, of it failing, prevents you from starting. So you already failed. What's the saying? You miss 100% of the shots you don't take? You failed the minute you let fear creep in. So for me, I I, I purchased my LLC in... It was formed in 2021. 2021. I knew what I wanted to do, but I kind of didn't. And at this point, I let fear kind of go unchecked. 
But I had to put it back in check. Now, in between that time and now, I ended up starting school because I know, like I said, I know what I wanted to do, but I didn't. I needed to get the proper training. So I had the LOC. I put it not on the back burner, but I kind of put it aside until I finished school so I could focus on school. I ended up passing or finishing school with magna cum laude honors and there's another uh there's an honor society to something some honor society i uh, graduated with because i focused and that was putting that fear kind of back in check because i got online i'm like all right well let me look up the industry how much competition is there i'm a new business i can't i can't compete with this this and this and that that's bogus man and that's fear fear will drown you in all of your dreams and sorrows, if you let it. Do not let fear go unchecked. If it starts to, to get unchecked, check it again and put it in balance. There's a good fear, because a good fear will make you cautious. A good fear will make you question things. A good fear will make you research things. That's a good fear, okay? It's not a bad fear to research the industry you're getting into. It's not a bad fear to, you know, to... uh to look at your competition. Those are good fears because you're 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 gathering intel and information that's going to help you succeed. But a bad fear is I look at the competition and I tell myself, or I listen to the voice say, oh, this is pointless. Or I can't do this. Or I'm not gonna get funding to to compete with these people. Stop looking at the bigger picture. Look at the biggest picture, but focus on the first step, which is starting it. Second step following your business plan, and so forth and so forth. So I think overcoming fear for a lot of people will be based on personal, I guess, opinions or beliefs or however you want to say it, but it'll be something that's personal. Conquer your biggest fear and everything else will be easy. Will be easy. And for me, my biggest fear for a long time was death. I don't know if it's because I was exposed to a lot of death growing up, no, I had friend a friend die in, uh, I believe uh, we were in high school at the time. You know, I had, you know, my grandparents passed when I was young through the uh, military. I had, obviously, buddies die. I had family die while I was gone overseas. You know, I get back and then I almost die in a, in a violent crime attack. You know, I was stabbed multiple times. Damn near died that night, came very close to it. I'm talking the ambulance didn't show up when they did. If they would have been maybe a couple minutes late, I would have been out of oxygen. Then I had the motorcycle accident. I don't remember it. Could have died that I crashed at, what, 80, 80 miles an hour, the guy said. Uh, the, there was a guy who saw me crash, and he, he saw the stickers on my bike because I was in a car and bike club at the time. And uh, he, he contacted the president of the club. That's how everybody found out. But he's... He told her I was doing like 80, 85. I tried to downplay. I was like, man, how, how fast was I going? Like, you know, like 30, 35, 40. <laughs> Knowing well. And she was like, Ron, really? You going that slow? I was like, you're right. I was like, how fast was I going? She said, dude said you was booking it by like 80, 85. I'm like, dang. But I don't remember that. But what I'm getting at is you have to put your fear in check. If you don't, it's going to check you. And you don't want to get checked by fear. You don't want fear to go unbalanced. 
have the confidence you need. And if you don't have it, build it. You know, as Marines, we're very confident people, especially infantrymen. And that doesn't happen just by signing the paper and saying, I'm going to Marine Corps. It don't happen in basic training. No, it does kind of, but it doesn't really. It happens when you finish basic training, you finish SOI, you finish your schooling. That's when you really have that confidence because you feel like you're this warfighter. You feel like, man, all this training I've got now, I can go, I can really go do this. I can do this job. It don't seem that bad. Because throughout those times, you, you, you get comfortable. You day in and day out, conditioning, mentally, physically, spiritually. You're training. Training is going to build that confidence. Now, if you're trying to start a business, build your confidence in yourself and in the belief of your business. Write a business plan. I actually just wrote a business plan for mine. And I did it kind of backwards. I knew what I wanted to do, but I didn't have a business plan before I started my LLC. But now that I'm looking for funding to expand, I'm, I am I, I typed up a business plan. I have a very good uh, friend of mine. He's uh, actually a very successful, very, very successful um, currency trader. Uh, his father is a very successful real estate agent, and they're actually going over it for me. Get someone to don't don't ever have too much pride or fear of what someone's going to say or fear of critique to have your work critiqued. OK. They're going they're looking over my business plan for me and they're going to tell me fix it. I told them, look, be brutally honest with me because this is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to grow this business. He asked me, he said, he said, you want to sell stuff? You want to make money? I said, I want to make money. Okay, I got you. So don't be afraid of what people are going to say. Because you should be more afraid of not wanting to hear critique from the people who are trying to help you and people who care about you versus just saying, you know, what, I'm just going to go with it. Get help, get assistance, get, 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 get uh, outlooks from, you know, and feedback from other people. Stay on focus with your business, with your plans. Don't feed into the industry, but look into the industry where you're trying to get into and learn your industry. Like I said, myself, I I went and got further education for my industry, and I graduated with two honors, you know, one being in an honor society. Actually, two honors, sorry. I made the Dean's List, Magna Cum Laude Honors, and there's another honors I forget, which is the Honor Society that I, I that I um that I made that I was invited to because of my academic excellence or whatever you want to say. But learn, you have to learn your industry, you have to grow in your industry, and that means learning it in and out. One last thing before we go. When I say learn your industry, before I moved or when I moved back to uh Florida from the Marine Corps, before I moved back I was working at Toyota, I was moonlighting. My last almost year in, I started in the detail shop, got really good at detailing cars, ended up uh, becoming a salesman because we would take the cars. We would take new cars, you know, to the uh, to the front after we clean them up forever for, for a customer. And I started mingling, you know, started meeting some of the salesmen. They're like, Ron, you have a great attitude. You you, you can talk. Sometimes it doesn't seem like I can because <laughs> I stutter sometimes, but you have a great personality, great attitude. You can talk. I really think you can be a salesman. So I went up and, you know, I left the detail shop and became a salesman. Now, when I decided to move back home, 
I, I left North Carolina, uh, moved back down probably about maybe three, four months after I moved back. I sold my R1 and I was like, you know, I'm going to start a detailing business. This is what I mean, know your industry. It's not necessarily necessary to get a business degree in something. If you know the ins and outs of a business or how it runs, then you can always hire an accountant. That's what most of the stuff you're going to learn in business school is accounting, you know, the number side of things. You're going to learn some other stuff. You can hire an accountant, you know, but you need to know your business. And I started that detailing business because I knew the industry. I knew the prices from wholesalers, what I should be paying for, for material. I knew how to sell my product. I knew how to do a great detail to the point where I could charge $250, $300 for one detail for, for a car. SUV, that price is going up to four or 500 bucks, right? So know your business, know your, your industry, and check fear at the door. Don't let it overcome you. You overtake it and put it in check and put it in balance. That being said, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And uh, remember, the only thing, uh, <laughs> I can't remember my little saying. Oh, wow. Well, the only thing is the only thing. The only thing that's stopping you, the only thing that's holding you back is yourself, something like that. This is Ron, RP3, with the SNS Podcast. i catch y'all next time. Later. The only limit is yourself. There's it. <laughs> See y'all. <laughs>